following lecture was produced by the Gnostic Academy of Chicago, a nonprofit organization, and is one of many available for podcast, download, and transcription. You can visit chicagonosis.org to find courses, articles, scriptures, commentaries, and other valuable resources that address a wide variety of spiritual subjects, interests, and needs. Through the generous support of listeners like you, the Gnostic Academy of Chicago has produced online courses, lectures, and articles freely available worldwide. If you have benefited from this knowledge, help humanity through making a tax-deductible donation at chicagonosis.org. If you are interested in attending the Gnostic Academy of Chicago in person, you may view our online class schedule and freely register at meetup.com slash chicagonosis. The Chicagoland Gnostic Academy provides humanity with the necessary means for transforming suffering and acquiring personal knowledge of the divine. With this purpose in mind, we now begin the lecture. May all beings be happy. It's very relevant to state that having come out of Valentine's Day as well as Ash Wednesday, which occurred uh, yesterday, there are some very relevant themes to this discussion today. While in our modern culture, we tend to look at love and passion, desire as contrary to a state of penitence, which we found correlated with the juxtaposition of these two holidays. In reality, they point towards a very beautiful and profound synthesis. In truth, real love, real spiritual divine ecstasy is born through the death of the impure. It is impossible to know real love, conscious divine ecstasy, purity of heart, without the eradication and elimination of our own inner obstacles. What's very interesting is that the Mayan mysteries themselves teach this profound relationship, that immortality, the birth of what is eternal, is something that has to be earned. Real love is born in us when we remove the causes and conditions of suffering, when that which is mortal, impure, must die. Primarily today, we're going to talk and elaborate upon some of the prior points we emphasized, but with a lot more depth. We're going to explain the spiritual path itself the purpose and process and the properties of immortality itself. Specifically, as you may be familiar, in accordance with Kabbalah and Mayan mysticism, as we explained previously, these traditions share the same roots. While distant in time, culture, language, and place, the same principles hold true in the same way that gravity is a universal phenomenon. So we study the two teachings themselves traditions in juxtaposition 
because they provide context. They can help clarify one and the other. These laws are divine and eternal, no matter the culture or the particular expression or religion. We'll also synthesize how through the specific path of initiation and through earning sacred initiations, our soul or consciousness can become a spiritual citizen of the higher worlds. Many people speak about spiritual experiences and enlightenment, ignoring that oftentimes that such states are temporary. It's like gaining a visa to another country. You could stay for a few months, but when the causes and conditions are fulfilled or exhausted, we return back to our home country. The same thing with mystical states. But there is a way to enter those specific regions of consciousness and nature as an inhabitant, as a conscious citizen. That has to be earned through a particular work within oneself. In this lecture, we'll also describe the multidimensionality of our being, the different levels of perception, the density of nature, its materiality, the levels of being, how they express, particularly in relation to the tree of life, which we called in the Mayan mysteries, the tree of Yashe, the Mayan tree of life. We'll also explain how there are certain laws in nature that constitute being, and that to become a conscious being, we must know the laws of nature, not merely from theory, but from experience. And by cultivating a direct personal relationship with divinity. This means that we learn to initiate and master ourselves, initiate a particular work. We'll also explain how spiritual immortality, the real union of the soul with the divine, is something that is earned. It is not innate. We're not born with it. It is something that must be developed. The Mayan mysteries themselves is the religion and teaching of the immortals. There have been beings throughout our history, our traditions, our most venerated, respected, mystical faiths, who embodied the highest caliber of character. They demonstrated with their life and their blood the path of reunion with that which is immortal, eternal, and sacred. There is a form of destiny that applies to those who seek the immortality of the spirit. People oftentimes become very fascinated with the ideas of resurrection, of being born again, and believe that because of uh, intellectual acceptance of certain concepts or a conviction in the heart without evidence, one's body will resurrect on a certain day and time. More than the immortality of this physical body is really the immortality of the soul, the immortality of the consciousness, which in truth can escape death. All of us who study spirituality 
face death, not merely physically, spiritually. Our situation is very dire if we are sincere and examine the facts of our life. We tend to be very afflicted with problems. We believe in a state of distraction, of fantasy, animated, and going through life mechanically without questioning who we are or where we are going. We live in a type of torpor, a state of stupefaction or stupefaction, ignoring that there is a higher calling to life that is merely attributed to us by our culture, by our politics, by our mainstream religions. There is a path that leads to the very heart of things, which we can access when we learn to explore ourselves and confront logically and consciously ourselves, our actions, our behaviors. We are in the grips of death. Physically, we may die tonight, tomorrow, in a year. We really don't know. There is great uncertainty in life. Even more so, the state of our soul is in a very dire predicament. Restrained and conflicted by numerous states of suffering. By afflictions of mind and heart. Sicknesses of the body. We lack clarity, morally, psychologically, about our true nature. Our true nature, our spiritual divine nature, is undeveloped. Religions speak about the immortality of the soul, that it will subsist and exist beyond its current confines and corporeal form in this life. Meanwhile, what facts do we have from experience of this reality? In truth, most of us have theories. We have beliefs. We have ideas. We may cherish a tradition that teaches us that we will subsist when we die physically. But the reality is that if we examine our daily life, the quality of our perceptions, the state of our psychological slumber, and the fact that when we go to bed at night, eight hours pass, and we may merely dream fragments, scattered remnants of some kind of emotional or psychological content. This is a barometer of how awake we are, how spiritually enlightened we are or not. We live in a state of dreaming. We live in ignorance. And this ignorance is not merely lacking book knowledge, lacking some type of instruction. It is about lacking the real knowledge of our true being, which is immortal, transcends death, is eternal. The problem is that it is merely a seed. It is not actualized yet. It is not yet a tree of life, the Yashe tree. It must be worked with and cultivated through very specific disciplines. It has to be nourished with its foods, its water, 
its soil, its sunlight, its sustenance. Unfortunately for us, our life, which is predominated by distractions, we usually tend very poorly to our garden. And while we are animated with our bodies of flesh and bone, we tend to live in a state of psychological death. We are unaware of what really pu uh, pushes us or impels us forward into life. We lack foreknowledge of where we will go. We lack knowledge of what states of our own mind are creating the problems that we face every day. However, in truth, it is possible to animate and expand this immortal spirit of being. It can be awakened and cultivated. And the Mayan initiates taught that there is a higher destiny for the soul. There is a higher path. And that to be driven by the fire of inquietude in the heart indicates for us very precisely that divinity calls within our very blood to realize our true nature and to study ourselves. More importantly, it is this call to action which inspires us to practice. So we explain that the Mayan initiates are the land of the few because Mayab or the syllable Ma means no and Yab means many. It is the land of the few, the land of the immortals, those who cross to the other shore. And we who may study any religion or tradition who is inspired in our very bones and being to seek and to understand ourselves and to know truth within our life are being called to the Mayan lineage. We've been exploring a beautiful scripture called the Flight of the Feathered Serpent. And it emphasizes this call to action. That if we wish to escape the type of end, the trajectory where our current behaviors are taking us to a form of spiritual death, a form of nihilism and depression, of pain. It is necessary to listen to the heart. The more we listen to that voice of conscience, the greater its strength. And the more we learn to follow the voice of right and wrong. He who does not search in himself for the truth of destiny does not live because his blood does not boil with the heat of the fire of the Maya lineage. And in the torpor of such animated death, he can even dream that he is free, that he has his own destiny. And he may even come to convince himself that this very torpor in which he exists is the fulfillment of his true destiny. All right, let it be that way. Because that is also true. But there are those who even affirm that they are architects of their own destiny. As if a man who lives longing for the Mayab could do something that is not the destiny of the kingdom of the Mayab, the immortal destiny. And this is the signification of really a higher calling.
it directs us, not the other way around. Immortality is achieved within the soul by achieving what is known as the second birth. In Mayan mysticism, they refer to the tree of the wine of Balche, which we explained in the previous lecture. This is the wisdom of the tree of knowledge. It is the work of energy. By conserving energy, by transforming it, elevating it within our spine, raising creative force from our sexual organs to our mind and then to our heart, we awaken spiritual faculties, perceptions such as visions and dreams in meditation and many other things, which are the senses of the soul. Jesus, the great Mayan initiate, the great Mayab, Christ, a master of Mayan Kabbalah, taught that we need to be born again. That birth is a sexual problem. The gospels speak about a wedding dress, the garments of the soul that it must wear in order to wed Christ. We know that physically in this world of matter and flesh and bone, we have this physical body. We have this vehicle in order to subsist in this dimension. And all of us know this. But there are states of being which exist when we dream. Physically, we may go to sleep, but our consciousness, invested in different vehicles, divested of the corporeal form, enters the dreaming world in another state of matter, energy, and perception. We subsist in different states of being, a different dimension with a different vehicle. And when we wake up in bed, we return as a consciousness back into our car, and then we awaken. Now, the reality is that we oftentimes have a dream and then we wake up and merely discard it. We think in our conventional language that it was something not real. It was perhaps vague or fragmentary, confused, unclear, scattered. But there may be moments when we dream where we find ourselves traveling places and doing things, but on autopilot, repeating our job, our career, our obligations. And yet, if this state is not real, then why do we not realize that when we dream, we merely accept it as a reality? Otherwise, we wouldn't be going along with it. This proves to us that this is a dimension of matter, energy, and perception and that we travel with it with a certain vehicle. Different traditions give different names. In the Theosophical tradition of Blavatsky, they refer to this type of mechanical vehicle that we all operate within the dreaming state as Kama Rupa, the body of desire. We chose an image here of a woman who is translucent and pale with her hands in prayer near a staircase of a temple. Because this is a fairly accurate representation of the kind of phantasmagoric state or vehicle that we operate in when we dream. It is a lunar vehicle. 
And by this term, lunar, we mean it is something that is given to us by nature. It is mechanical. Everybody has it. It operates in accordance with cyclical events. Sometimes we may dream more when the full moon is up. It is a lunar influence. Maybe we have more astral projections, which is another term for this phenomena. Maybe we have more clarity in our inner worlds. But the reality is that such states tend to be very mechanical. We don't will them. And that's the difference between a lunar body, a vehicle that does not have real spiritual reality and depth and substance with a solar body itself. On the right, we have a solar body. We sometimes call it the solar astral body. The astral dimension is the world of dreams. There are two types of vehicles, one that's given to us by nature and one that we can create. You may ask, what's the difference? According to the Mayan initiates, the lunar bodies we possessed, the lunar astral vehicle, is a ghost. It does not have real, profound illumination, but a solar astral body does. That's something we create through very specific methods. This is the wedding dress of Balche. From the wine of the tree of Balche, the creative energies itself, the power of life, when harnessed in a marriage, conserved, transformed, and harnessed by the spirit, obviously gives birth to something superior. Obviously, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of spirit through a transformed creative act is spirit. This is the wine of Balche. It is the waters that Jesus transformed into wine at a wedding. Not to appease drunkards, but to intoxicate the soul. It is a profound metaphor of creation, of initiation, of birth. Someone who possesses a solar astral body knows how to travel in that dimension consciously. They enter it at will. They have illumination. Their inner light guides them. They see those worlds with clarity, not as a ghost. They do not see mere fragments of snippets of consciousness here and there dispersed by erratic psychological states. In truth, there is integrity, there is clarity, there is awareness, there is being. We want to turn ourselves into a sun and the power of the sun, the light is in our sexuality. But it depends. How do we use this energy? Do we cultivate it for a spiritual purpose? Or do we answer to our animal desires? So the tree of the wine of Balche is what gives intoxication to the soul through spiritual experiences. And it is what rises within the spine of any initiate in order to create this solar astral body. In this way, as we explained, the serpent Kukulkan 
the feathered serpent, the kundalini that once was asleep within the base of the spine awakens and rises and then illuminates the heart, rises within the initiate and gives birth to this vehicle. In this way, we gain immortality in that world of the astral plane. And by having immortality in that region, because the consciousness now is vested with a superior vehicle made of a different matter, energy, and substance, we have light. We can be in that world. We become a citizen of a higher plane. This is why the flight of the feathered serpent taught and when the number of the new lineage of the Maya men exists again in the sacred land of the Mayab, they will ask you for the tree of wine of Balche, and you will present it high up, and you won't be killed or thrown out. The feathered serpent will fly. This harkens back to some of our previous points. We see that in our current situation, invested with lunar vehicles, lunar astral matter, we belong to inferior states. We resonate with lower worlds. And this is very evident by an examination of our current life. What psychological states predominate? What in us is perhaps spiritual, but is not? Immortality belongs to those few people who work with this energy and in this way they won't be killed or thrown out when they knock on the door of initiation this path is qualified by those who awaken that energy and raise it up the spine who create light and they will not be killed or thrown out in the sense that they have mastered themselves. It will not be subject to inferior influences, the death of the soul. So all religions teach about, again, higher and lower worlds, heavens and hells. And right now we are in hell. We have a lunar body. We belong to lower dimensions. And most of our dreams are merely Perceptions of lower worlds, cold, ephemeral, and lacking reality of a spiritual type. We are already citizens of hell, and this is very obvious if we look at our life and we look at the state of humanity because we belong to this world. If we wish to transcend the world of suffering and pain, the world of illusion, we need to work with the tree of the wine of Balche to be born again, to become citizens of the higher cosmos. Also, different religions speak about the state of those individuals who continue to inflict harmful actions upon themselves and others. And because of successive degeneration, there is no hope but for that soul or those individuals to be taken into lower states progressively, degenerating more and more so that in those inferior worlds, the light can be extracted and the impurity can be left aside. 
It's not an eternal place of damnation, but it is a recycling plant for those who fail, who don't want to change. But that light, which is immortal, must be liberated somehow. And so out of compassion, divinity has given us those dimensions. However, there is a higher world, a higher path, where we don't have to enter unnecessary mechanical suffering, but instead transcend it with wisdom and knowledge. This is why one has to create the wedding dress of the soul. It is the path of regeneration, not merely to generate the physical body of a child through a marriage, but to regenerate the heart. Take that same power and give it to divinity. As stated in the flight of the feathered serpent, they perhaps will also ask you for a wedding dress. If you do not have it, if you've been lazy, if you haven't watched, you will be thrown out where there is weeping and grinding of teeth. For the wedding dress is the dress of regeneration, and it is the same as the tree of wine of Balche. Regeneration is the real path of John towards the Mayab. So what is the path of John? It is the path of immortality. Different apostles in the Christian tradition represent different qualities or aspects of the path. The path of John is very elevated. What we're talking about here is the path of Peter, the path of marriage. And that path is united to John through Judas. And if we hang our own inner Judas, our own mind and heart, which betrays us and betrays divinity, we can enter the higher mysteries. So the path of immortality is something that is earned. It's not something guaranteed by birth. It is performed through a practical work. And in fact, immortality exists in different dimensions and states of being, as emphasized and elaborated here by the image of the Kabbalah. So the Kabbalah, in the Jewish mystical tradition, is a glyph or map that teaches us the structure of the soul. It also teaches about the different levels of dimensions in nature, where we can travel to when the physical body sleeps and the consciousness awakens. There are different bodies that can occupy these different regions. But obviously, the higher you go, the more spiritual and elevated it becomes. The lower you go, the more dense, material, and inferior it is, the state of being. So this tree is also the Yashe tree, to use mind language. Mayan terms. But here we use the Jewish depiction because it's a very beautiful synthesis and code for explaining many faiths and religions. It's also very art articulated and beautiful. Immortality exists in these different regions. We know our physical body, Malkut, which is occupied by many laws, 48 in total. And in terms of laws, these are spiritual laws. They are not merely physical phenomena. The higher up this tree, the more simple life becomes, more elevated and spiritual. There are less laws in the higher world because they are more free. And the higher we go, the more freedom we experience because there's less complication. And the further down you go, the more laws exist. 
because as we explained previously, life unfolds in different layers of being. These laws double and complicate successively as life descends from the higher worlds into materiality. So as to give existence to our life here. And this is a necessary process. However, since we have descended to this physical world, we've entered matter, energy, and perception in the level of the physical body. We now want to return. But to return requires that we resonate with those spiritual laws from which we emanated. And in the path of spiritual initiation, we learn to create superior vehicles, solar bodies. We become immortal in these dimensions when we create vehicles that belong to that level of nature. And we want to successively, progressively go up. Immortality pertains to raising the fires and energies of Kukul Khan, the feathered serpent, Kundalini, to use the Hindu term. The feathered serpent is that energy of the divine feminine or the princess Saknikte in the Mayan mysteries. She is the energy that elevates the soul. So we're currently in this physical body governed by 48 laws, which has a superior component known as the vital body, Yesod. Yesod in Hebrew means foundation, and Malkut in Hebrew means kingdom. Our body is our kingdom. And our vital energies, our sexual creative forces, give us the foundation for spiritual life. These two spheres are governed by 48 laws. What's interesting is that we have 46 chromosomes acknowledged by materialistic science. But according to Samal and Vior, there are two other laws of a vital nature within the vital body. And the vital body gives life to the physical body. It is our chi, our energy. This body is studied within Chinese acupuncture and other forms of Eastern medicine. Even in Tibetan, this knowledge is studied very deeply, the nature of the vital vehicle. It permeates every aspect of our physical being. So our physical body and our vital body are governed by 48 laws. Beyond that, we have an astral body, Hod, glory in Hebrew, governed by 24 laws. The mind, the mental body, is governed by 12 laws. And beyond that, becoming more subtle and refined is our human soul, our willpower. Tifereth in Hebrew, meaning beauty. And Netzach, meaning victory. Because someone who develops their human soul, who masters their human consciousness, and conquers their mind in victory, becomes immortal in that world. And obviously, there were higher regions too. We have a divine consciousness governed by six laws as well. And our innermost spirit, our inner being, has said, mercy in Kabbalah, also governed by six laws. Beyond that are higher states that are very difficult to comprehend, governed by three laws, the trinity of any religion, Keter, Hokmah, Binah, crown, wisdom, and intelligence or understanding, or the Trikaya of Buddhism. The Trimurti amongst the Hindustan yogis. Notice that these laws, when they descend, become unfolded and double on themselves. They'll finally enter this physical world. And now the goal of any initiate is to return up this 
path itself and to become immortal in these regions, to gain knowledge of those states from which we came from mechanically. Now we want to master these states. And the way to do that is by understanding the laws that govern those levels of being and creating vehicles that operate at that level of nature. So obviously the higher you go, the subtler life becomes. You know that in your dreaming state, there are different laws that govern the cosmos. You can fly, levitate, pass through walls, teleport, imagine a place and, and emerge there. You can travel throughout the cosmos. You can go to other planets. You can do many things because there are less laws there. Likewise, in the higher regions, the further up you go, the more freedom you experience. But to get there requires that we become immortal in those lower regions. This occurs through the perfect matrimony. The Saihaya Maithuna. This is known as sexual magic in the tradition of Samalan Vior. It's when a married couple who loves each other deeply, husband and wife, awaken Kukulkan, the feathered serpent, the Kundalini, the Divine Mother, the Divine Princess Saknikte in the Mayan Initiatic Kabbalah. She raises them up, spiritually speaking, by mastering a lower animal sexual act and making it a sacrament of Rome, of amore, of purity. What happens is that as we conserve sexual force and transform it and eliminate impurities in our own mind, that energy rises slowly, very delicately, very patiently. Not immediately, but governed by intelligence, which is why this force never harms anyone. Especially when we meet the requirements given by our own divine princess, Saknikte, the divine mother, who only awakens in accordance with the merits of our heart. She only grants power to souls that are responsible not to unethical people. She does not harm anyone who maintains purity of mind and heart. And that force cannot harm. It can only elevate. As some of you are taught, immortality is a very serious matter. And it must be achieved by means of the Sahaya Maithuna, sexual magic. When we conserve force and elevate it within the physical body, eventually there is a surplus. And then it develops and grows, initiates, creates within internal, subtler, spiritual states, like a fountain that overflows and then enters another level. In the same way, when there is a surplus in this physical body, it elevates to the vital body and successfully up into the astral body, mental body, causal body, the world of will, the human soul. This is how we are immortal in those regions. When the wine of Balche saturates every atom of being in that level and creates vehicles for the power of life. The sexual force is what creates that which is born of flesh is flesh. Everybody knows this. But this is how, by giving birth through spirit, we give birth to spirit. 
Whosoever builds an astral body as a fact and by his own right becomes immortal in the world of 24 laws. Whosoever grants himself the luxury of creating a mental body clearly reaches immortality in the world of 12 laws. Whosoever forges a causal body undoubtedly achieves the long-for immortality in the world of six laws. We can incarnate that which is called the human soul only by building the sighted solar vehicles. I am referring to the third aspect of the Hindustani Trimurti, Atman, Buddhi, Manas. This is Hesed, Gibura, Tifereth. This is really our inner being, our spirit, our inner God, invested with his divine soul and the human soul. It is by awakening and creating a causal body, a vehicle that operates in the world of six laws, the world of Tifereth, where one is definitively immortal. And this type of individual is very rare. They can reincarnate, choose their birth at will, if they so choose. Only an immortal being has mastery over life and death. They can choose to be where they want. But the rest of us tend to be compelled by forces beyond our understanding or awareness. We merely return to this world, this valley of suffering, unconsciously. Only the causal human has definitively attained immortality. These types of beings are beyond good and evil. So we talked about the tree of life. There is also the tree of death, the infernal regions of nature. Obviously, from this physical world of 48 laws, when that force is not elevated, it descends. There are regions of nature which are more complicated than this physical plane. We call them the hell regions. Our physical body is a microcosmos, a minor, small unit. Below that is the Trito Cosmos, the infernal worlds. There are nine spheres. And from each sphere descending down successively into inferior states, doubles and gets more complicated. So there are more laws here which double the further you go. And this explains the profound state of suffering, not only of these regions, but also of our planet. Because currently our world is, while governed by should be governed by 24 laws, is in fact governed by 96, and in some places 192, and some even more deeper than that. We are literally bringing hell up to the surface. This is very evident if you just watch the news. These regions are real. We live them. We see them every day. We just don't identify them as such. So these nine spheres are sometimes related to the nine planets. Moon, Mercury, Venus, Sun, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. It goes from 96 laws to 864. These are very complex and very dense states with a lot of suffering and a lot of pain. And when those souls do not wish to strive upward, do not change, they are taken by the forces of nature and descend down these inferior regions so that through the, the density and strength and weight of these dimensions, the soul can be extracted from the impurities of the mind. 
the shell of our ego can be cracked like a stone. And then the consciousness can be liberated afterwards. Those souls who do not wish to change disintegrate in lower and lower states of being until finally the soul is extracted from the ego. And the consciousness can be liberated to transmigrate through a process of evolution again, as well as devolution if that soul again repeats its same mistakes. So the mysteries of the flight of the feathered serpent also teach about this essential dynamic that this trito-cosmos, the hell realms, the infernal states of being, belong to what is known as the seventh generation, the lowest. It is the lowest because it is beneath the tree of life. It is the roots. It is the infernal states of consciousness. Now, what's interesting is that this state of being is known as a katun, meaning a generation in the Mayan mystical Kabbalah. And if one does not change at this point, this trajectory, one eventually disintegrates and degenerates, as we explained. Here is what the Flight of the Feathered Serpent teaches about this concept. Seven are his generations from the highest to the lowest. So previously we spoke about the seven cosmoses, the lowest of the trito cosmos, the hell realms. The seventh generation has a tree of life with as many as branches as 32 times three, 96 laws. And these branches support the beings because they are many branches and they cannot climb through the tree of Balche by themselves. And their climbing is a climbing of a cartoon of the whole such seventh generation. Slow climbing painful climbing. He who in the seventh generation degenerates has a certain weeping and grinding of teeth. Now, there are people who have studied this knowledge and have exclaimed, how is it possible for someone in this lower hell realms to change? Is it possible for beings who belong to hell to go up? And yes, it is possible. It is possible because we know from the writings of Salman Vior that a particular demon by the name of Belzebub was one such individual who changed, who repented, who, by following a higher calling and was inspired by the Mayan inclination, the initiatic path, changed. He was able to transform himself to climb the tree of uh, life or the wine or tree of Balche with help. But many don't choose this path. So the question becomes, how does one initiate and generate a state of immortality? The flight of the feathered serpent gives some very beautiful metaphors for this. So what they taught or what is taught in this scripture is that by working in this physical world, in a marriage, one can climb. Living on the earth is living in the sixth generation, the microcosmos. And the tree of life has, has many branches as 16 times three, which constitutes 48 laws. What's interesting is that 
the rest of this metaphor elaborates upon the union of husband and wife and that their union is what produces the blossoming of immortality. You have a representation of two colors, yellow and black, male, female, positive, negative, masculine, feminine. And their union produces the glory of the soul. The leaves of the 24 branches are yellow. The leaves of the 24 branches are black. They are branches with leaves of the color of the west and of the south. Directions are beautiful metaphors for higher truths within the Kabbalistic mystical tradition, but also within the Mayan cosmology. In synthesis, you can map the four directions on the tree of life. Towards Chesed is the north. Towards Geburah is the south. Towards Da'at, the mystical sphere of knowledge, is the east from which the sun rises. That sun is the solar forces of our inner Kukulkan. And Da'at is the tree of knowledge, the tree of the wine of Balche, which has no other configuration except a sphere related to the top trinity of the tree of life. It is the bridge to the really the highest mysteries of spirituality. And this mystical knowledge of Da'at, the knowledge of a couple, is what awakens the spirit. To the south is Malkut, the physical body where the sun sets. And this is a metaphor for how spiritual force manifests within our being but also ascends and descends. Our physical body is where the sun sets because we tend not to see anything spiritually in this physical world. We tend to be very asleep. But in the higher regions of nature, as you go up towards the east, is where the sun exists, spiritual illumination. And the south, we can say that the forces of the south towards Geburah, which is divine justice, is where the forces of heaven descend down the left pillar down even to our physical world, Malkut, and even into the hell realms. Because divine justice permeates everywhere, heaven and hell. So what does it mean? The leaves of the 24 branches are yellow. The leaves of the 24 branches are black. They are branches with leaves of the color of the west and of the south. This is husband and wife. This is man and woman, the West and the South. He who joins yellow branches with black branches and by his intelligence, Binah, will make them green. Will grasp the trunk of the tree of life and will climb it to know about the great power of that John who remains and of his great love. The powers of the West descend even from this physical world down into hell and even the South as well. And this is a powerful symbol because a married couple who enters initiation is transforming an act which is usually carnal and making it sacred by transforming the powers of hell into the powers of life and through intelligence, mastering oneself. 
In this way, one climbs, goes up, so that by no longer enacting actions which are harmful for oneself and others, one blossoms with the fruit of spirituality, of immortality. In this way, one will know about the great power of John who remains. Pawatun is a Mayan god associated with the inferno and has four faces, four directions. God of the underworld. What is a Pawa? An initiate who conquers hell, who becomes immortal, who changes. Because by conquering our own defects and destroying them through the princess Saknikte, our divine mother, we give birth to the spirit. We give birth to John, the word. And we know of his great love, divinity. Salman Vera says in the book Igneous Rose that the throne of masters is composed of monsters. Meaning, the four legs are beasts. Because only one who masters hell can enter the higher worlds. Only by conquering spiritual death can we become immortal and become a great power, a master of heaven. How are you going to do it? Waking up and studying, waking up and working, waking up and fighting. Regeneration in the perfect matrimony occurs by learning to sanctify a marriage. Take a bit of black paint, take a bit of yellow paint, make one sole paint from the two and look, well, what do you see? Isn't green then the new color? Yellow is the sun, black is the earth, green is the flowering of immortality. There are, level, there are levels and dimensions to this symbol. Obviously the sun, the, the solar force is masculine and the earth is feminine. But in the same way, when a couple unites out of purity of mind, heart, and body, they conserve the power of a sun. And their earth, their bodies become recharged, revitalized, and bloom with great health. Spiritually speaking, the soul is born. It is the flowering of immortality. A couple can learn this science and learn to connect with divinity in the sexual act itself. It is not merely a source of pleasure, but it is a source of divine inspiration because what greater mystery is there than love? This is very different from lust, obviously. Lust is mortality, is death, the death of the soul which is the gratification of pleasure and sensations at the expense of one's partner and one's self, one's heart. But the immortality of the spirit is born through a holy matrimony. And when the couple is learning to work with that fire, the fire of Kukul Khan, the feathered serpent, they give birth to a solar astral body, which is referenced here. In this way, you can begin to walk along the path of regeneration, and your generation will then be the generation of the eight times three, 24 laws. In this way, we're the giants of the small cosmos, 
Cozumel is an island in Mexico, I believe, where there are Mayan runes. What else is an island but the astral body? It comes out of the sea. From the waters of creation is the birth of the astral body. The giants of the small Cozumel were giants in spiritual stature because they're initiates. They have solar astral bodies. And therefore, they constitute the small Cosmo, like an island. And it's a sea of suffering. But there are higher levels. One can go up. After creating a solar astral body, one learns to create a solar mental body, a solar mind, governed by 12 laws. Four times three, 12 laws. In this way, were the Pawas, the one of the east, the one of the west, the one of the north, and the one of the south. Remember that a Pawatun, the god of the underworld, has four faces. And this initiate, a Pawa, is one who has mastered hell. There is one from the four directions each because one learns to conquer the whole tree of life in themselves. The forces of mercy on the right, the right pillar of the tree of life, the forces of justice on the left pillar, the forces above in the top trinity towards the east, and then the hell realms facing towards the west, which is beneath Malkut. In this way, one is immortal, having conquered hell to a degree whereby there is enough stability in the soul to have a foot in the door within the heavenly regions. In this way, a pawa eats the food of the sun. What is that food of the sun? It is spiritual experience. It is the nourishment of the heart. Mystical states. To be a citizen of those worlds. To be a member of the initiated colleges. The great Mayab. The chosen ones. Two times three, six laws, is only conceived by a Pawa who cannot die. This affirms what Samal Vera wrote, that by having created a solar astral, solar mental, and solar causal body, one is immortal, definitively. One can choose to incarnate at will. One has mastery at the beginning level. There are some words of encouragement here, but every man can be a Pawa. Meaning, the path is open. It's possible. However, the higher states are even more refined and very difficult to conceive, as stated here. And one times three, three laws. We cannot even think on it in our actual condition because it is a cartoon, a dimension, a time that can only be understood by a power. All are different times, measured by different measurements. The bold and daring Maya goes from one cartoon to another, always toward the above. And he has three generations in one. So an initiate seeks to go up higher and higher, not only to create solar bodies and gain immortality in those regions, but to be able to even transcend their divine state and enter higher states of purification. In this way, the soul has to learn to wage a holy war, a spiritual war. We are men and women of clay. We are of the mud of the earth. You know, Adam was created from the dust of the ground. And Jehovah Elohim breathed the breath of life, and he became a living soul. 
We are of the mud. We are of passion, of lust, of pride, of anger, of fear, of laziness, of gluttony, of hatred. However, we are clay that can be molded by extracting the purity within the dire circumstances of existence from the mud of passions is how the lotus of the immortal spirit is born. By facing contrariety and difficulties, challenges, and learning to overcome them, and working with the wine of Balche, the creative forces, the waters of life, we enter a highway of being. So there are some prophecies given in the Flight of the Feathered Serpent, which are very interesting. It states that those individuals who are nourishing their physical bodies through transmutation, which is the science of the perfect matrimony, working with the creative sexual force, whether as a single person in pranayama or as a married couple within alchemy, they learn to become suitable individuals for the new civilization, the new Jerusalem mentioned in the book of Revelation, the chosen ones, which is a metaphor for not only, you know, this physical world, but merely really for becoming a citizen of the higher cosmos. And in a sense, this path is about death and resurrection, death and rebirth, death, rebirth, resurrection, ascension, because by dying to what we are now is how we enter a higher way of life. There is no way to change except to eliminate that which keeps us imprisoned. The Flight of the Feathered Serpent states this, every clay that knows where and how to do the war to be able to die is earth of vigil and prayer, earth without thirst, earth watered by love, which will serve God for a new civilization. And when he dies in his sixth generation, the physical world of 48 laws, he will live another cartoon in the fifth, the astral world of 24 laws. Three times four, 12 laws will be his yes. Three times 16, the world of 48 laws will be his no. So it's not enough to be stuck in one level, but, you know, obviously to aspire to higher states. In a sense, by leaving behind the passions of the physical world, one will live another life in dreams, in visions, and will aspire to even higher states. In this way, by having a solar astral body, according to Salman Vior, one can choose to incarnate at will. In this sense, one will have mastered death. One will have immortality and consciousness in those regions. He will go from the cradle to the grave if he wants to go. Because he would have passed from death to life and he will remain with John from the flight of the feathered serpent. Meaning we overcome the passions and death of our current life, the tragedies and malevolence and pain. And even go from the grave to the cradle to ch uh, choose our birth. Because that's possible for initiates. We are reincarnation is for initiates. The rest of us return. We have no memory or control or will to decide our fate. Life happens to us. But the path of initiation occurs when a person transforms their sexuality into a divine act. In this way, the sexual matter 
becomes the energy of the spirit. For his testicles will have eaten the food of the sun, and his semen will not be semen of flesh only, but semen with the spirit of regeneration. The term semen can refer to creative force. It is the body or matter and energy of creation. And again, it can create a physical child or it can create the spirit through specific procedures, through conservation, elevation, purity of mind. In this way, one's mind, heart, and body will be lit, uh, enlightened by divinity. Our mind, heart, and sexuality will become pure. This is the essence of chastity. Chastity does not mean abstention from sex. It means purity in sex. And is the purity of the love between a husband and wife who knows how to love consciously. For there will be no fornication in him and his one, intellect, his two, emotions, and his three, sexual center, will be truly chaste and his sex will be lit with purity. It will be sex no more. Because what we conceive of sex is not the totality of sexuality because there is sexuality amongst the gods, but it is not degenerated like us. To conclude, we have a resource from Salman Vior which explains some of the elements of the seven cosmoses in a book called The Elimination of Satan's Tale. It is a very profound book, very small, very short, but dense. We invite you to study it to know more about the different laws that govern the cosmos and also the path of return. At this point, I'd like to open up the floor to questions. We have a question. Can you explain again how the four cardinal directions correspond with the tree of life? Yes. The right pillar relates to the north. The left pillar relates to the south. The top of the tree of life relates to the east. And the lowest part of the tree of life, Malkut, relates to the west. The north is spiritual. In the north, we have the mountains, the cold. And even writers like Nietzsche emphasize that the lands of the north, Hyperboreas, beyond the north are regions that are very spiritual because they are governed by very spiritual laws. And even physically, if you look at mountains in the distance, you can see an ethereal blue, which are the vital forces of Yasad present. And spiritually speaking, the north represents to the spirit because it is up in the mountains. The mountains are a symbol of initiation. And to reach the spirit is to climb the mountain of initiation like every cosmogony teaches. The south is where things kind of get hot, right? Towards the equator as you go down. That's in reference to the sexual heat and fire of sexuality, right? If you conquer the powers of the south, in your west, your physical body, Malkut, you can change and regenerate. The physical body is where the sun sets because all the spiritual forces coagulate within this physical world. Our physical body, Malkut, is the kingdom. It is the alchemical conglomeration and amalgamation of many forces, not merely physical, but energetic and even spiritual. 
through this work of mastering our physical bodies, through the work of alchemy, of a marriage, is how we go up towards the east. The sun rises, the morning star. That is towards the higher worlds and higher realizations. So the north relates to Hesed. The south relates to Geburah. The east relates to Dat and the, and the higher trinity of the tree of life. And Malkut relates to the west. We have a question. The book of Revelation says that 144,000 will enter the heavens. Does this mean that those who work in the ninth sphere will be chosen? Because if you add the synthesis of these numbers Kabbalistically, 1 plus 4 plus 4 equals 9. Does that also mean that one must have the solar astral body to be chosen? Yes. The book of Revelation says that by working in the ninth sphere, by working with the lower animal instinctual elements of our psyche, the ninth sphere relating to our sexuality, yesod, is how we are chosen. That's the difference between a master and a man or woman of clay is what we do with our sexual force. Also, one has to create the wedding garment of balche, the solar vehicles themselves, the wedding garments of the soul. That's how we're, we're chosen, you know, it's initially, at least you can create those bodies and enter a level of immortality in those higher regions. But then there's more work to be done because eventually one has to fully eliminate the rest of the impurities of the psyche. One can create solar bodies by eliminating a little bit of ego, right? Defects. But to achieve perfection and mastery is a deeper work. So there are levels of being chosen, right? There are degrees and cartoons times and spaces by which one enters little by little mentioned in that scripture, the flight of the feathered serpent. We're chosen degree by degree, initiation by initiation, which we achieve by earning it. We have a question. Is Beelzebub the only inhabitant of hell that left for a better path or were there more? There were many more. Many of his friends converted because of him. It's mentioned in that book. There are some people who are very well developed in the Black Lodge who eventually transformed their psyche. And for those who don't know, the Black Lodge is a reference to all of the groups of demons of this world and the internal worlds. People who seek to develop in the lower regions of nature with powers and abilities, but not in heaven. Beelzebub was one among many. He was one of the first who set an example for others to change. So fortunately and thankfully for him, there are many others who are following in his stead, climbing the wine, uh, the tree of Balche, like many others, with a lot of help from divinity, because divinity is compassionate. Any other questions? Is that why Judas is in hell? to help those who want to convert. So for those who are not familiar, in our tradition, we recognize that Judas is a very, you know, elevated spiritual master who played a very controversial role within Christianity. He was actually an initiate who was instructed by Christ to betray him in order to play a specific cosmic drama. 
Now, it's said that Judas, you know, symbolically in us, is our own ego, our own defects, who betray divinity and betray the Lord. And that's what the physical master Judas came to represent, to teach us something about ourselves. So one thing is the master Judas in the universe, and one thing is Judas in us. So we have to differentiate. Now, we know from Salman Vior that the master Judas externally is in the hell realms trying to help the fallen. And this explains why in the book, The Flight of the Feathered Serpent, which is allegedly his teaching relating to the Mayan mysteries, which we're relating here. He related that he is trying to help those who are in the seventh generation, the Tritocosmos, those who cannot climb the tree of life without help. And yes, he's helping a lot of individual souls. That's a very difficult work to do. I mean, he's helping the demons who don't want to change. That's incredible. It's very difficult. I mean, personally, and just we can see in our own life or career that it could be very difficult to help people who don't want to be helped. And yet Judas is doing it because he's dead psychologically. No ego. There is no pride, no resentment, no anger, just pure being. And which is why he's able to transform those intense impressions for the benefit of others. So yes, that's what he's doing. And the flight of the feathered serpent, which is basically the first half of, was a book given by Armando Corsani, a journalist who met Judas physically. And then Judas gave him a manuscript, which is some of the excerpts we've been reading from. But yeah, Judas is really great high master, very difficult to comprehend. Any other questions? Okay, we can uh, conclude. Appreciate the turnout. We'll uh, be continuing this series. We'll have, uh, I believe, one more lecture, at least on the Mayan mysteries coming up. We'll have that posted on the, our website shortly. Thank you very much. Appreciate the turnout. To learn more about the knowledge covered in this lecture, we invite you to study the books available through Glorian Publishing or GnosticTeachings.org. You can also view free online courses, lectures, transcriptions, and articles available at ChicagoGnosis.org. All of this is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Have you benefited from this knowledge? Help others by making a tax-deductible donation at chicagognosis.org. We thank you for listening. We hope that these lectures aid you in developing your complete and divine potential. May all beings be happy. May all beings be joyful. May all beings be in peace.